Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for this um, interactive session. Um, Lord, we trust you for you, you to bring, Lord, wisdom. And we ask that um, we will not speak out of our own selves. But, Father, we will be able to fetch through our thoughts, through our words, um, the right conversation, the right answer, Lord, to every subject, Lord, that we deliberate upon. Thank you, our Father. We ask you to give grace for to pass further light and understanding and to shed further light on what you have been saying in the last few days. Thank you, Father. Give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, everyone, welcome to day three morning session of School of the Spirit 2022. Woo! that great things are about to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to introduce from my left, Pastor Femi from Edmonton. Thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, Pastor Jeff, who's our pastor here and the love of my life. Uh, pastor James, who is the lead pastor of Life Meetings Canada in Edmonton. And Pastor Bukumi, all the way from Winnipeg. Thank you for being here. intense, it's been heavy, right everyone? Yes, yes. But it's been a great time of importation. Uh, I know that everyone's burning in questions. If you think you're not burning, start thinking. You know, there's no way you've understood everything that has been said. You won't get this opportunity till next year, right? So take advantage. Amen. I'm just going to start, um, we're going to kind of go through message by message. It's been four sessions, Pastor Mecca, Pastor Tayo Fason, and two messages from Reverend Kyrie Oyeg, okay, so Pastor Femi, you're on the hot seat now because you're next to me. Uh, uh, day one on Tuesday morning, we started with uh, a message from Pastor Mecca. I just want you to kind of give a summary of what you, you know, how you were blessed, what stood out to you, what struck you, and just the most important themes that you took from the message on Tuesday morning. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Can everybody hear me? Oh, can you hear me? Praise God. Praise God. Um, uh, Pastor Maker's message, wow. Uh, he touched on many things, and um, I was actually really blessed by Pastor Maker's message. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult to summarize everything in this short moment, but um, I would like to say a few things that I mentioned, and I would like to start from um, uh, how he was encouraging us why we should actually believe the message that God is bringing to us in this season. Praise God. And, uh, you know, he said so many things around that area where he was talking about um, uh, where he was listening to a reverend's message many years ago. And um, it's the same thing reverend has been preaching. And I can testify to that, too, because uh, I and my wife were listening to a message by maybe 20, I'm not sure, but a whole message like that, that um, reverend was teaching. And um, reverend was saying the same thing. He was actually saying the same thing. He, he might not be using the, the, the word everlasting life at that point. Do you get what I'm saying? But he was saying the same thing. I remember he was saying that God does not just want you to be sinless. He wants you to grow way above sin. Praise God. Get to a point where even sin cannot touch you at all. Do you get what I'm saying? So uh, I, 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 was, I could relate with what Pastor Maker was saying yesterday that um, 
I'll be on the first on day one that uh, we should be encouraged that if we are sincere enough, we understand that this word of um, everlasting life is not something that is just concocted from scripture. It's actually the true gospel. Praise God. That's actually the, the uh, he was saying something like, that's actually the real work that God wants us to come and do. Praise God. And, um, you know, he now mentioned some things again after that. He said, men are, are in the place where they are perishing. Praise God. Men are heading towards second death. Praise God. And uh, you can it's not just any gospel that would save a man from second death. Yeah. Praise God. It's the everlasting gospel. Praise God. Because the, the path of second death is an everlasting path in the mm. negative side. Praise God. It's actually Satan himself that is actually uh, that is, that is charting that course. Praise God. And if Satan was a, is an everlasting um, being in that sense, which other gospel will take a man out of that place? Praise God. It's the everlasting gospel. Praise on the Lord. So we should understand the fact that um, uh, things that uh, are being said in this season is not just something that um, uh, we just feel like maybe uh, let's just say something new so that it will not look as if we are saying the same thing every time. No, no, no. Well, everlasting gospel is actually the, the, the message that uh, we raise man from, uh, from not just being sinless, but it really brings a man to the place where he rises above iniquity mm -hmm. and he actually rises above the dragon. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise on the Lord. Yeah. Uh, a mindset that came to my mind one time was um, when this everlasting gospel started coming was, um, you know, when they say Satan is the God of this world. Praise God. Let me say this, is, this book is this world. And I own this book. Let's say I'm the God of this book. I can overcome this book, but you don't overcome me that created the book. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That means you still have me to war with. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So in other words, you can overcome the world, but the person that created the world still needs to be overcome. Yeah. Praise God. And it's the everlasting gospel that will overcome the man that created this world. Yeah. Praise God. So that's the essence of the everlasting gospel. Praise God. Uh, I think I've been able to summarize a little. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. That was wonderful. Thank you, Pastor Femi. Um, praise God. So, I mean, from the end of what you just said there, it would appear that Satan has more to him than the world, the same way God has more to him than Christ, right? And the next level of God is everlasting life. So you have to overcome the next level of the enemy, right? Amen. I want to ask um, Pastor Bukumi a question. Um, Pastor Mika stressed something that I think is so important. He said, you know that scripture in Romans chapter 2 that talks about those who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. You know, um, throughout the course, I mean, in, in the last few years, listening to the word of righteousness, that's something that we hear a lot, especially mommy says it, you know, patient continuance. And you can assume that you know what they're talking about because you know, you hear patient continuance and you're thinking, okay, so I'll just continue listening to messages. I'll just keep going to the meetings. I'll just keep studying my Bible and praying and fellowshipping with brethren and I'm, I'm patiently continuing. But I have a feeling that it's more than that, you know, because especially when we are coming into this doctrine of everlasting life, it seems like there's, there's a lot more that we don't understand than we do understand right now. So what is the attitude of patient continuance? Because it's not just going to messages. Like, what is the attitude of heart a person should have 
especially when you're not really understanding right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, thank God for the question, and I'm happy you also mentioned that there's a lot that we don't understand right now um, because of uh, where um, these things are coming from. Um, over the course of the of time, I believe we'll come into understanding. Yes. Um, but when you talk about attitude uh, that someone should have, even in this season when we don't have when we don't have full understanding. Right, um, the the word patient continuance. When I look at it, um, the first thing that came to mind is like before you mentioned attitude. That's actually attitude, really. Is patient continuance is an attitude inwardly, first. Um, I mean, before you begin to think of you know coming to meetings, you know following. I mean, these are things you should do, right? I, I remember uh, Pastor Parks was saying for a year. Right, he was coming to meetings. He, he didn't understand a thing, but he kept on coming. Yeah. And at at a point, everything just opened up to him, hmm. pretty much. And I began to understand. And I feel it's also a, it's it's an I would say it's, it's God's wisdom hmm. to really, really, really see if a soul wants something. Yes. Right. Um, it's not all the time that. You come and then all of a sudden you understand. Yes. There's an inward attitude that is established in meekness. Yes. And it is that meekness that would open up the world of understanding to you. Because yes. you see now, most of the things about Christ, we know we, we I mean, we have a sense we, under, we have an understanding of Christ. Mm -hmm. Then when everlasting life began to show, I was like, oh, really interesting. <laughs> so Christ that we thought we knew we don't actually know it as we should, but yeah. the light of everlasting light is shining better understanding on the light of Christ. So, what I would say is, keep continuing, yes. right? The but when you continue, don't be weary in your soul when it comes to pursuing after righteousness, because there's an attitude in the scripture about those who look for these things. They are seekers. And when you talk about seeking, it's not just, like you said, it's not just going to meet. I mean, of course, like I said, you have, if you don't hear the word, I mean, you go out there, a lot of things will happen to you. You are hearing something else. So it's by hearing that faith comes, and faith comes by hearing of the word, right? And if faith doesn't come, you can't journey into life, mm -hmm. right? So I'll say continue. Um, the word of continuing is a word of love. Right? So when you say something, when you say continuity, patient continuance. Yeah. So you have patience, you now add continuity to it. Yeah. Meaning you have dexterity in the spirit. There, there, is, there is a covenant you must have caught with God, with Christ. You know, with, concerning this life, something that speaks to the depth of your soul concerning what you long for. Yeah. And that passion, thank you, that passion is what's going to move you into understanding when that at the appointed time then you're coming to full assurance of understanding yes wow praise god that was wonderful do it do it do it yeah that was wonderful praise god praise god um you know you really touched on something that that i i was asking my husband this morning because i know there are people who feel like oh when did i get born again when did I start hearing Christ? I've not even gone anywhere. 
you know my flesh is still like you know embarrassing me all over the place and then you are bringing everlasting life you know it can be it can be overwhelming discouraging and even like intimidating you know but thank god for that and and i think that the good thing about the lord is if you lack passion you can ask him for it yes. you know yes. if you yes. lack hunger you can ask him for it yes. you know so that's the good thing about god you don't have to come already made he's the maker of all things praise god yes. pastor james i'm going to ask you a question now pastor Micah said something he took it from the book of romans chapter 5 verse 1 he said that um if you don't have peace with god you won't do well in everlasting life you know that scripture says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god um what will you say like can you bring some flesh to what that means like as i'm asking you i literally don't understand is it that i have to have finished the course of christ completely you know because when you say being justified by faith is that like a completed work before i can start to do these everlasting works like what does that mean praise god hallelujah Amen. praise god uh, so um, i just opened the scripture here it says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ uh so that's the it means that's the pipeline by which you make peace with god and in that dimension that's the dimension of that word the christ the son of the living God. So uh, some of this, I know uh, sometimes we call it life, everlasting life, eternal life. It's sometimes maybe in our minds, it feels like it's uh, separate curriculums, but actually they are interconnected in the sense that you flow from Christ into everlasting life. So you can be hearing everlasting life, but inside that everlasting life is a perfect Christ. So he's still blessing you in the realm of Christ. And so, um, but then, so the peace with God, you know, in Romans chapter 8, it also says, well, the carnal mind is enmity with God. So it means that the carnal mind is God's enemy, and the opposite of enmity is peace. Um, and so uh, the way I see it, uh, and maybe people can correct me, I see it as Christ, the learning of Christ judges the heart first. Then it now moves up. It's like an incense going up, judging the heart, correcting the heart, fattening the heart, saving the heart. Then it goes up to the mind where judgment is. And that judgment is to deal with the carnal mind, which is an enemy of God. So it's flowing. It's wanting flowing into everlasting life. So at the border of Christ to everlasting life is peace. You begin to sense peace with God. Meaning, God's, you are in agreement with God's opinions. Uh, yeah. Does anyone want to add to that? That was wonderful. Thank you so much, sir. Um, what I'm seeing is um, just the words, peace and, and everlasting. It seems like in the definition of the words, for something to last, it mustn't be restless. Yeah. Right? Yes. For something to last, we are talking about lasting forever. We're talking about the, the ability to stay in a certain place and not move away. Mm. Uh, so it's, so it's, I think it's almost even logical that peace will be almost like a prerequisite for something to last in a certain place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the knowledge of Christ, which is, which is vast, of course, which we have learned through different angles, through different 
you know, doctrinal truths in the scripture um, is to, if I can put the word, to actually wrestle with man, right? To wrestle with man, man with all his disturbances, with all our cares, with all our worries, with all the things that move us. And the doctrine of Christ to wrestle with us and to bring some degree of stillness in our soul where the soul can just rest on just the hope of God. So the soul hasn't received God yet. God hasn't necessarily been revealed to the soul, but the soul can rest, which is, I think, what they were speaking about as that hope, the anchor Paul was saying in the book of Hebrews, which is an anchor which we have, right, which anchors us within, within the veil, which is actually a hope which Christ creates here in his soul. So, um, and then one thing I've been seeing um, recently, um, to go back exactly to the question you asked, is that it seems like there's a difference between um, what is permitted to come to you in terms of doctrine and what is permitted to come to you in terms of maybe the essence of the persons of God. So, and then it seems almost like even though there are some restrictions doctrinally in terms of if the atmosphere, the heart, and all of those things are not right, there is a way the Lord can stop doctrine from coming in terms of he won't send people. And if you don't send, they can't hear. He will find a way to restrict access just for the sake of safety, to make sure there's no abuse, to make sure that the heart who is not ready for something doesn't receive it and then trash it or something like that because of the consequences. So there's some degree of restriction around how doctrine flows. But bearing any of those hazardous tendencies, it seems like God can even permit even everlasting life to be taught where somebody who is just getting born again is. And God can permit that to happen. God can bring someone who is a baby into a place where the core doctrine is everlasting life and still find a way to reach them. So, like you were saying, so is it that you must be fully, you must fully arrive at peace with God to really access an everlasting life? I don't think that's the case in terms of doctrine, understanding, revelation. But when it comes to God actually committing his life, his actual person to his soul, it's just that unless, unless Christ doesn't mean anything, if Christ is really what true Christ is, then it means that it's an impossibility for God to rest when his foundation is not there. You know what I mean? So, and that's what's possible. When the, when the doctrine is coming, sometimes this teaching is coming from a high place to create further hope. Ah, this is who God is. This is what God, this is what we are going to. This is what God is calling us into. It will make you even hasten in your journey in Christ to arrive at peace with God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wow. Um, are there any questions yet? Do we have questions? Okay. While we're waiting, while we're waiting for, for the questions, I'm just going to ask Pastor Jeff again to summarize Reverend's message from, from day one evening. Yes. You're the one. It was inside me, yes, so you have to do it. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> I, I mean, I can read my notes. <laughs> um, praise God. Um, I, I think I will just speak um, the things that stood out to me. 
um, from, from the message. Um, I think when he started, he, he went to John chapter five, 6, but he didn't really stay there. Then he just tilted and went over to chapter 3 of John, which is where he spent some time at the, the opening of the message. And from there, he began to speak, um, uh, that he began to speak about light, right, and the attitude of hearts towards light and how uh, men refuse light, right, and they choose darkness rather. He said this is condemnation, that light came into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light. And he said the reason is because their deeds were evil. So he now began to explain the whole thing about evil deeds, right, um, how strong evil is. And uh, he mentioned, mentioned something that, was, that I thought was very key. Um, he was trying to separate between different kinds of darkness. He said, darkness is what the devil used to cover sin. But thick darkness is what covers evil. Yeah, and so he said that that evil that men have in the, in the soul um, is something that the enemy, the devil has done a work in man that man should never relinquish evil. But that when it comes to evil, even if a lot of revelation is received, maybe in the realm of Christ and all of that, that someone can be can come into the full light of Christ, but yet there's still thick darkness. And if there's thick darkness, which is darkness which the Christ light alone cannot illuminate. So when Christ light has done all its work, there's still thick darkness, and evil is hiding under thick darkness in the heart. And, and at that stage, the person can feel they are okay. Wow, they are now they've come. We've come to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. A lot of fruits, you know, peaceable fruit of righteousness, all kinds of things. Um, I am manifestation. Um, but he then said that there is then the light of Christ, and there's the light of the Son of God, which is that light, right? Of course, the light which shineth in darkness, which no, darkness cannot comprehend. The light which no kind of darkness can comprehend. And so he spoke about that, and I think in that same chapter, he then, I think he went earlier, and then began to read the verse about the Son of Man being lifted up. Um, then he dwelt on that a little bit, and in that place he was speaking about um, the importance of magnifying Jesus, not, and he spoke a lot about heaven, right, the soul ascending into heaven, and how um, it takes heavenly thoughts to unveil, right, the Son of God, and he, he spoke a lot of things about um, heaven. Then I think um, Daddy then began to to speak um, um, concerning um, the priesthood. He spoke about the priesthood and in terms of journeying towards God, and he spoke about like offerings of the priesthood, right? And then the key thing he said that was where he now began to transition into the I think the core of the message later about bread and all of that, yeah. yes. And, and I think what he said was that the purpose of the priesthood is to convert flesh to bread. Yes. And he made a distinction between, um, between was it gifts and sacrifices, mm -hmm. right? He said yeah. sacrifices are like bloody animals. Yes. Yes. And then gifts are things that have passed through, that have been converted through the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And of course, introduce some level of debt to it. Yes. And transformation. Uh, so he said bread is like a gift. 
and then the animals are like sacrifices. Yeah. So he then moved from that and later then began to, to focus on the botanical life, right? The life of the bread. And he said that the everlasting life is actually a botanical world, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because of he now began to explain the nature of the botanical life, explaining with the seed, how a seed has everlasting properties. And those properties are the properties that characterize um, everlasting life. I think that was mostly that was mostly what he taught in summary. But of course, um, everything was was in great detail. Thank you. Thank you. That was an excellent summary. And you're shaking your head, right? Like a magnet. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I have a question here from someone. There is a scripture, I, I can't remember the exact scripture, but it, Reverend said something about um, Jesus being raised again from the dead. I don't know, you remember that? Does anyone remember? Where he said that he, Christ and the begotten son. So someone's asking, can you please explain what this means? He mentioned that there were two beings that were raised, the begotten son and Christ. Please explain. Um, praise God. Um, so, uh, if we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, is um, two. Uh, I want to see from the the growth of Jesus Christ first. Jesus Christ grew from from the from the man Jesus to to being Christ, and um, you know, there's been. Um, this misconception that look as if Jesus Christ is the son name of Jesus Christ. He's actually the nature he came into. <laughs> Praise God. He's the nature he came into. So he now grew from Christ to, um, to Christ the son of God. When he was now rising from the dead, the Bible says that he said, Dad, my son, today have I begotten thee. That is Psalms chapter 2. That was a prophecy in Psalms chapter 2. But it was now made in reality in Hebrews. Yes, Praise God. And he said, today have I begotten thee. Sit down at my right hand. I, until I make thy enemies your foes too. So when God was raising Jesus Christ from the dead, he raised those two natures, mm -hmm. the Christ nature and also the begotten son nature. And the reason why that was, um, what that happened is that is all that nature that man is supposed to come into. Praise God. Yeah. Man is supposed to come into the Christ nature, then come into the begotten son of God nature. Praise the Lord. So those now the day we got born again, the Bible says that. Um, well, remind me of this um, this scripture. He said, uh, we, uh, "We were we were risen with Christ." Yes. Praise God. Romans, Romans six. We are risen with Christ. Now our spirit man is Christ. Praise God. So is that first nature that man was risen with? Praise God. But we are supposed to grow into the begotten. That um, Christ, the Son of God, yeah. praise God. Now, but the problem is that only the spirit man came into Christ. The soul didn't come into Christ. So uh, the soul is a learner. What the spirit will become in a second, the soul has to learn it. So the soul has to first come into the first nature, which is Christ. Praise God. He said, my children will I travel in birth that Christ may be formed in you. Uh, I could see from the place of um, Romans chapter 6 to when we were talking about servants of righteousness. You know, Christ has become our wisdom. He has become our righteousness, our redemption. Praise God. Now, Christ is righteousness. Yes. Praise God. 
Christ is righteousness. So a man that has not be, been come into being a servant of righteousness cannot be a servant of God. Wow. Praise God. And uh, when, when you say this, Christ the Son of God, they are talking about the fullness of Godhead. Praise God. So Christ, who is the servant of righteousness, is the only man that can, uh, that can serve God without any resistance. Praise the Lord. So you will see Christ. Um, so if a man does not come into the nature, that nature of Christ, which the spirit man came into, um, he cannot serve the everlasting righteousness, which is the righteousness that is in the Son of God. Praise the Lord. So uh, that's why um, those two natures are to be risen with Christ. Man will come into the first nature. Then by the first nature, which is the Christ nature, man will now grow into Christ, the Son of God, which is the nature of the Godhead. I believe my brothers can still add a little more to it. Praise God. Yeah, you were speaking about that uh, Romans chapter 6, the, the creation from the dead of the, of the spirit man. And a question came to my heart, and then as a question came, I felt an answer came as well. Uh, and the question was, he said if you are anyone um, is raised with Christ, is one spirit with him. Uh -huh. So we're recreated in Christ Jesus, our spirit man. And I was wondering, okay, why didn't God just make, raise this spirit man to have both Christ and everlasting life mm. at the beginning <laughs> when we got born again? I, I feel maybe that would have helped the job. <laughs> yeah. If your spirit, you know your spirit was already everlasting life, yeah. spirit. And then, and then what came to my heart as an answer to that is that it was, not, it was actually not possible. It was not, it's not possible because the life of Christ is a created life. But everlasting life is not a created life. It's a life of God himself. God is not a creature. God is God. And so, so there's no way that it, someone could have been recreated with everlasting life. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a new creation. That, that life has been right from time. Yes. So, so Christ was actually an intervention creation yes. that can travel to where man is and bring man back. So, so, that, so man came with that created life first, but the destination is actually God's life. Yeah, so that's why they raised Jesus of Nazareth who can come. Jesus actually was raised by learning. He learned, he learned, he learned, he learned Christ, which is a created life. Then he journeyed and to begin to learn the life of the Son of God. And when he had learned it, now he became a seed that can be sown into the grave. And they sowed all of those things there. And then God raised him up so that we can then be raised. So the raising of Christ and the Son of God, which pertains to the soul, is something that we should partake of as well. Both of them, both natures in our soul. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I like Pastor Jess. Please go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I like, uh, I just like, that was the one point I wanted to bring Pastor Jess brought it up at the end there about how, like, why Jesus was alive. He actually grew or raised up as a Christ and the son of the living God. So at some point he would say, I am the resurrection and the life. If you find the life, the Christ and the son of the living God. Now that thing became a seed. So what can be a seed is the living. It was a living seed. It's everlasting life. And he now sowed that life, those two lives, uh, um, in the cross and um, in the death. 
And so when God, as Pastor Femi said, God raised those two lives and raised us together. So essentially, the whole story, the reason why the initial story is also important is that it was showing us a way that in the days of your flesh, you can, resurrection can be occurring, yes. meaning raising can be occurring in Christ and the Son of the living God. And then you can be sown into eternal life. Uh, when they are raising you out, when they are raising you up as a seed uh, from eternal life, they are raising both the Christ and the only begotten Son of God, which is the eternal life. So essentially, Christ is life, the living Son of God, everlasting life, and then the only begotten Son of God. That is eternal life. And so God wants to raise, when you sow yourself, but you sow yourself as a Christ and an everlasting life, then God will raise all together. Uh, into eternal. Exactly. That's that's the word. Yeah. So that's the yeah. So the begotten son did was didn't go to the grave. It was the begotten son is who who is raised when Christ and the living Son is sown. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I'm speechless. Can we just do a round of applause for them? This is like. Mind blown. Wow, thank God. Who's grateful to God for this moment? So much clarity, right? Yeah. Now you have no excuse. <laughs> this is understanding. Praise God. Um, there's one quick point I want us to touch on from Reverend's message before we go ahead because you know, time is running very fast. Um, Reverend said at the beginning of his message, you know, he touched on it a little bit where he was talking about um, light and how it's the light of the Son of God is needed to unveil evil in men, right? He's, and then um, he said um, it's that light that's able to explain the hidden nature of evil that's in men. And I think he started to make a distinction between sin and evil. And it would appear that evil is far worse than sin. So... Can somebody like explain the difference? What is because it's sin not evil, but if you are saying this evil is actually way worse, like I don't want to be evil. So, can somebody just explain the difference? Pastor Bukimi, you didn't talk since so. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't like to talk for a reason. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. Um, I mean, what what comes to I just don't, like, I don't understand the difference between, like, how he said it. I just don't get it. Like, there's sin and there's evil. So he said, okay, he said, men loved light rather than darkness because their deeds were evil. He could have said because they were sinful, right? But he made sure that he made a distinction between those two things. He didn't say sin. He said because their deeds were evil. And he, this is the condemnation, right? Because their deeds were evil. So, um... I think in another message yesterday night, he actually he also talked about this thing. He said that it's easier to save a man from sin than to save a man from evil. And I sat there and I was like, God, I don't want to be evil. Though. This is like this is serious. So maybe you can explain. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the first thing that comes to mind um, is when you talk about evil, then the first thing that came to my mind is intent, and. Intent is one of the most hidden 
the the most hidden I don't know the word to use for it, but the hidden mover of men. Right? Now when when you are when you are doing something, most of the time you are oblivious of the intent. What you see really is just what you did. But what you did is rooted in many, 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 many things that communicated together to an intent in the heart. Right? Because the word of God is to just right, the center of thought and intent of the heart. Right? When you talk about thought, then I, I believe intent is about ways. Right? So the with thought is very thought is the easiest thing you can interact with on a daily basis. Oh, I, I just I just think I should wear the shirt. Wear the shirt. Now, I mean, it can be as simple as that. But maybe somewhere inside, depth of that, let me wear the shirt is, I want to slay someone. <laughs> you know, for, ex- for, for, exa- <laughs> for example, <laughs> you know, you know, as innocent as this gathering is, you know, and you know what's funny is, it's, n- it's awesome to dress beautiful. And you show everybody's dressing is also awesome. You know, but when you, when you leave that state and then you begin to go into intent, you know, maybe the reason why I'm wearing this shirt is because there's a guy there, man. You know, or maybe, the, maybe, maybe a guy to say, a lady, and then say, you know what, let me do a clean shave, you know. Uh, and, what, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then the sister. <laughs> And then the sister too will be like, uh, let me let me let me wear this 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 shirt that when he sees it, he needs to turn twice. One, two. And after three. Right? Now what, what that comes in is when you look at that, you don't naturally think that is evil. So evil is something that you is, doesn't seem evil to a man. Evil is actually awesome. It's something. Is a evil is a love. You say because of say the reason why men love darkness because of what they do, right? Now you'll be wondering why. Okay, why is it that what they do is the reason why they eat light? Which means that there must be some level of love to what they are doing, right? And if there's a level of love to it, I'm pretty sure it's not always about going to kill somebody, right? It's not always about, you know, cutting someone's head. It, they are little, minutest things that are embedded in intent that you don't see. Right? So evil, and like, like, like everyone said, it takes everlasting light to see it. Right? Now, Pastor, I'm, go, I, I'm just going to say this and then maybe I'll, I'll pass it on for someone that's going to help us. Is, um, Pastor, Tokba mentioned something in convention. He said, you know, he was having a conversation with um, Pastor teacher, I think, and there's this aspect of where I was going for a meeting, and on the poster, um, there were names, faces, but his own was not there. And, you know, and there's a thought that could come and say, why is my face not there? Right? (laughs) And he he categorized that as an everlasting sin. Right? Which means, or it's it's, it's because it's an everlasting nature. Right? And why, for for you to identify that, um, it seems logical. Yeah. I am ministering. Why is my face not there? Mm. Right? Which means that when you now begin to extra that question, why is my face not there? Then you now begin to see many things. Then you now begin to see many, many things hidden in the heart, intent, um, the, the things that 
you thought Christ has dealt with. But they are hidden uh, in, in the depth of the heart. You know, intent. Intent is like the hidden manner. It's, it's <laughs> you don't see it. But it's just there. It's moving you. It's pushing you. But <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's wearing the glory. You don't see it. But that, that is what is really causing all the sins. It's the one that is driving the sin. And its power is being hidden. And that is why men would love it because it's something that gives pleasure. It's something that is awesome that gratifies the soul. And I guess... Praise God. Uh, and just seeing that thing, evil, and uh, the word wickedness, they're the same thing. Uh, well, actually, so like you were saying, evil actually, to the, just the general appearance, evil appears good. And actually, that's the strength of evil. The strength of evil that it has an appearance of good. So, actually, last night, Reverend was talking about uh, rulers of darkness. And those, the evil is suffering from spiritual wickedness in high places. Those, are, those, are, those beings, they are, they are your best friends. You know, those are spirits that are your best friends in the inside. Because they're actually profitable. And if to the outward, people see it as profit. I see it as a good thing. There is no direct, there is no direct negative, do you get me, influence of it. And so when they say something is a sin, sin, people know sins, flesh, people can see sins. But when they say something is evil, the person who masterminded it knows the intention of what he did when he arranged it. Like Satan would do. Satan would design this world and design things that a whole man can live 90 years and not believe there is a God and be so satisfied in it. That is evil because the man thinks good is happening. But the person who designed it is doing evil. So evil is actually something that is good to men. It's good. It is everybody, you, the agreement is that this is good. But the person behind it knows why he did it. They get the Satan, it's, you know, Satan, the way he designed this world, he knows what he did behind the design of the beauty that to, is against God. That's the end of evil. It's almost it's always against God. Somewhere it makes you, um, makes you depart from God. Somewhere it makes you not give your all to God. Somewhere it's the one that will make you wonder when they're talking about suffering, killings. I don't want to be killed by God. It's evil that does that. It makes you to hold back some things. And you'll be holding it back in righteousness, in an appearance of good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I know we, we spent time on this thing, but I just want to say something. That this evil is, is deep. Like, if we even say that evil is what seems good to you, it's still not the full definition. Because if someone doesn't have light, maybe you don't have too much of Christ's light, there are many things that are in the world, worldly things that might seem good to you. You just lack understanding. Mm -hmm. You don't know that they are bad, but they might not really be evil, per se, as per this definition. You just need some more Christ light mm -hmm. to know that these things are actually bad, like the loss of the flesh, mm -hmm. the loss of the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. The pride of life. So e e the evil is actually, after, let's say, you've dealt with all those things, said all these things are in the world, right? Mm -hmm. We just say we should not love. Lost of the eyes, lost of the flesh. 
than the pride of life you dealt with them. There's still things that can be in a man. Yeah. yeah. Evil is evil is the 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 bad things that a man can be is still at, at peace with mm-hmm. after Christ's work has been done mm. in the soul. Yeah. And what I discover is that the way to really trace evil, you have to look at what does what is evil acting against. I don't think evil is acting necessarily just against the lost, maybe keeping lost in you, mm-hmm. keeping pride, or sorry, keeping the pride of life in you. Someone can have a pride of life dealt with, but there's another pride, which is not the pride of life or with things that are attached to the world. It's the pride of your own life, not the pride of life that men are living, the pride of your own. That is the solace you take in your own person that will stop it from dying when it's time to die. Evil is that thing that will stop a man from dying completely in his will to God. And so even when somebody is in Christ, sometimes that thing, sometimes someone can be in the school of Christ and they'll be doing a lot of things that are worldly. But from time to time, evil will be coming up. They can do evil things. And those evil things have consequences that are greater than the consequences of just or what sins can have. That's why we need everlasting light to begin to unveil those things to us. Yes. Just quickly say something. I know, please, let's just spend a little time here. Um, Adam was a sinless man. He didn't have sin. But there was a being, he was an everlasting being. Adam was everlasting in nature. But there was a being that could bring down an everlasting man. Yeah then that being is evil. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, evil can come to someone that Christ, work, Christ, work of Christ has been done inside him. Evil can come to him, and that Christ can still feel like, oh, this thing has my best interest. Yeah. So evil came to Adam, and Adam actually felt like that evil has his best interest, mm-hmm. and he fell for it. So it's not, it's not really uh, something that um, is... Uh, that might look good in the sense that some of us are looking at it. But evil is a man is something that even with Christ, with Christ's light, you might not be able to judge his intent completely because of how, how dark it is. How dark it is. So you see someone like Adam that he saw when the Satan came to him, he could not fully discern Satan. Do you get what I'm saying? So he actually took the what Satan was offering. So, even with Christ's life, we can take what evil is offering. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Do it very well. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amazing. Praise God. Wow. You guys, I feel like a case was just made for why you can't stop at Christ, right? It's evident now. Like, before, if you're like, ah, but Christ is pretty good. Yeah. Keep going because, you know, there's evil. (laughs) And power past power, but another power past another power, you know. Praise God. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions from everyone here, but I don't think that we can take each of them individually. Like, there are too many. And I feel like by God's grace, some of the um, questions that are being asked, I feel like there are things that are answering the questions. So just open your heart. Like, even if we can't address the question specifically, I think that you will find that Things are being said that will answer at least parts of the question. But if you feel like later you still need clarity, these great men of God are here at your disposal. 
520 uh, that, That's their room numbers. Come and look for them after. Amen. But there's a question here. There's, um, they're back to back, so I feel like we should actually talk about this. It's the same kind of theme. This person said, there are a lot of new ideas being introduced. Some things contradict my already existing knowledge of the person of God. So in my case, there isn't necessarily a lack of understanding, but an absence of peace with specific things that are being said. Technically, it's a kind of lack of understanding. God will give you understanding. In these moments when my soul isn't at peace with what is being said, am I allowed to question it? Or does it automatically mean that it is the absence of the attitude of meekness or the presence of unbelief? So that's the first question. The second one is very similar. It says, in a situation where the words we hear from the preacher seem too big for us to understand, well, chew and swallow and digest, what should be the next works we should do concerning these things? Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's a thing of like, you know, con I'm not, I know something, but now you're saying something else or what you're saying is just, is too much for me. What, sh what should I do? Yes. Hallelujah. Um, I remember in, I just want to use my own example. I remember in 2015, um, listening to Reverend KGFM, they began to talk about sitting on the throne. And then to me, it was a very foreign concept. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I could not understand it. I, I was like, where, where did that one come from? But in my, just somewhere, because I was under, I was just, oh, this is my place. I just stayed. It took me a full year before the Holy Ghost. Uh, I was reading Revelation chapter 3 to the church of Laodicea. And I was seeing it. I was like, this is what they've been saying. All, and I was, I was questioning it in my heart. That kind, if God did not help me, I could have done something, left or whatever, amen. But I just stayed, just stayed on that. So I now, it was that time I realized that they are, we don't know Bible. Yes, we don't know Bible. So um, just think about it. Uh, I, I say sometimes to the people that, just think about it, if, I mean, to become a doctor, you go to like 10, eight to 10 years of school just to study a human body. Who made the human body? So you think it's now just simple? Just a human body that he made, they call it grasshopper, hopping around. And then we use 10 years. And even many of us can't even do it. So, you know, so God is not simple. So if you... If you just have little understanding, just acknowledge that it's still little understanding. And so with that humility, just, just stay until it opens up. And I think that was the first question. Um, so the second question, what you can do, uh, prayer is very important. You have to pray. Our father in the Lord as well, Daddy Hagin, uh, in one of the books, he will say that he prayed one prayer for six months. The only prayer point he had for six months was Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, that he may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So be praying for yourself. Be asking more questions. Ask and ask and ask questions until you understand. So blessed are they that hunger and test for righteousness. That's your role. God's role is to fill you up. Yeah.
Praise God. Um, thank you so much, sir. That was very, very um, accurate. I feel like you've answered the question exactly, the right answer to the question. The answer is meekness, first of all. That attitude. And when coming to God, you have to first agree that you are blind. Yes. Right? And then, even when you, when you feel you are, not too, you are not fully blind, that there are some things you know, then you have to now add another meekness to it and say, these things I know, there's a high chance they might not be correct. That's a safe yeah, soul. That's, a soul. <laughs> you know, that's the yeah. attitude. No matter where you go in the faith, you should have that attitude. Why? Because God is just too big. God is just too big. You know what I'm talking about. And, so, and then there are, if, you, if you don't, sometimes it's just that we don't look, too, we don't observe too much. If you think about yourself a lot, you have too much trust in your own understanding and all that, then you will, not, you, will not, you will miss all the things in your environment that should constantly keep you under and to keep you meek and in a place where God can reach you. For example, the simple thought that, okay, I don't agree with this thing, but look at all these many people here. So is it that maybe I'm the one that is right and they are all wrong? What are the chances of that? Okay. Now, no, no, I'm not saying that's the basis because it's possible you can go somewhere where people are massively wrong. They seem like, I mean, the whole world, pretty much. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is that there are many things you check. Like when Paul was speaking to Timothy as his son, he only was a young guy. He was guiding his heart. This is how you, you, you look at things. Don't just think about doctrine alone. Or also watch manner of life. So those are the things that give credence to what is being said. That how do you know? Because if you're not all-knowing in the sense that you can't take what the pastor is saying and then put it under a microscope and say, everything here is correct, therefore I'm going to attend your church. Mm. Some of us feel we can do that, but you actually cannot. Mm -hmm. Because if you can do that, then there's no need to attend the church. What are you going there for? <laughs> sure you've x-rayed the pastor, you already know that he's correct, everything, you've, you've accepted him, yeah. so why are you attending? So the, whole, the idea of church is predicated on the fact that there is so much that when you get to church that will disagree with you, that will offend you, that will almost disabuse your whole understanding and all of that and offend all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. But the church is such that there is a mechanism that God has put in the church that should be able to speak to the depth of his soul. That's not purely based on logical resolution, but based on there's a way a heart connects with something. That this thing, there's something right about it. Like the, you are the manner of life, you are the attitude. Then based on your judgment, you will now find out that, ah, if I follow this thing, there are no obvious problems. Like this sitting on the throne, for example. Let's say you have a problem with sitting on the throne. <laughs> right? Now, then you say, okay, what is the consequence of me sitting down to listen to a minister that says you can sit on the throne? He's not asking you to go and fornicate with somebody. He's not telling you to go and steal, steal, a, steal money. He's not saying go and do 419. He's not saying go and sleep with someone's wife. All he's saying is you can sit on the throne. Are you getting what I'm saying? So there are no, many of these things, there are no obvious issues. It's not like you're saying, ah, this one very evil thing they are saying. They are just, they are, most of them are doctrinal matters. So what doesn't agree, agree with them is not our, our healthy feeling look feeling or search for safety. Most of the time is our pride. That is not agreeing. You have to know the difference between when your pride in what you already know is not agreeing 
and when there's a healthy, you know, um, and your spirit man is rejecting something, they are not the same. They are not the same. Praise God. Sorry. Praise God. I just want to uh, make reference to what you just said because um, some question came to me one time like that. You know, we use linguals here, like everlasting life. Many times we use um, King James language most of the time. And somebody got angry with me. That, why, I said, um, stature. They were, why do you use stature? Can't you just say maturity? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, those kind of words like that. Like, why, why, why do you always like to use King James? Now, I have to ask that person, why do you have a problem with Bible language? That's pride. It's pride. Because... Uh, why must why would I use direct Bible language and you have a problem with him with me and you feel like I'm just trying to be deep? No, if the Bible uses it, I can't be deeper than the Bible. So if the Bible uses the word stature, I should use the word stature. If the Bible uses the word everlasting life, I should use the word everlasting life. Do you get what I'm saying? And the only difference is that if I now decide not to explain it to you, then maybe do you get what I'm saying? But no, you should be comfortable even with the lingual that is being used to. Because these are biblical linguals too. I just wanted to address that thing that because some people have problem with it. Yeah. yeah. Please. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think it's already said. I just wanted to quickly erout something uh, Pastor Jeff said, um, quickly and shortly. Um, the, uh, the, and that's the aspect of pride that we're talking about. Um, because I just want to quickly just share my own ex experience, right? In the sense that when I came into the light of Christ, me, I agreed that I did not know anything, right? So I've enter, I entered the light of Christ, and I began to learn Christ. Now, there, there was a point in my life where after learning Christ, I felt I've, learned, I've known Christ. So that was, that was an issue. I've, oh, I've known Christ. Then what happened is I became so familiar with Christ. And then when doctrine is going on, you won't be able to tell journey. Right, And what was stopping that understanding and journey forward is my pride in what I know. And then I, I, I just sat down and think, wait, what's going on? The Reverend, Reverend will be teaching, and before he finished teaching, I've summarized what he's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's my pride. So I summarize, okay, I know he's going to talk about Romans, this, that, 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 you know, you know, you know as he's saying, you know, I even, I even, okay, Romans, John, this is what, this is that, that, that. And then, by the time your message is gone, then I have no, I, when you check inside me, there's nothing. <laughs> Empty. Because there's supposed to be a transfer of life by meekness when you hear the word. That meekness eh, is, is the base for understanding. Yes, yes. So if a soul does not have that meekness yes. to just accept, I don't know anything. See that attitude that we have to carry throughout in scripture as you are learning, as you are growing. Is this thing that I know, I, I may not actually know this thing. That is the safety and that is how you can actually journey. So that pride is what we really need to deal with and coming just to that, that meekness of heart because you cannot receive the engrafted word of God without meekness. It's as simple as that. So receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your soul. And you know that when you talk about saving soul, you're talking about everlasting life. 
right? So meekness is key in all levels of learning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. I think that our time is running fast. I'm going to, we, unfortunately, I don't think we have time to um, summarize the other two messages, but <clears throat> a common theme from the questions that we've been getting from uh, people here is about grace um, that Reverend talked about yesterday. Um, people have said, can you explain what he meant by and grace for grace? And that was one of the questions that I had here. Um, when Reverend started to talk about dominions yesterday, and he said that only grace can unseat dominions that are in men, right? And then he was talking about how there's the grace of Christ and then the grace of the Son of God, if, if I'm correct, right? And then he also talked about the stratas of dominion that... Um, that are, I guess, sitting in men. I, he talk, I think he separated it into two, right? He talked about the um, might, principalities and powers, might and dominions, and then he's talked about um, spiritual wickedness in high places. The, another thing he said, sorry, this is all going to come together. He said that there's two levels of deliverances that um, we need, forgiveness of sin and deliverance from evil. Now, I want um, maybe the four of you, however it works out, to explain what those two graces mean, because when he says, and grace for grace, as I'm asking you, I don't know what he meant, okay? So explain the two graces. Does it connect to the two deliverances that we ought to receive, and does it connect to the stratas of dominion that he talked about? If, so, if you guys can just maybe find a way to tie it together and make sense of what he meant. Actually, let me give my husband. <laughs> Sorry, I like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> 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 oh, the first thing that comes to my mind when he was talking last night was that dominions they did work in man. And what I can connect is that it would take grace to undo a work. Yes. Um, and I think what was the, it was John chapter 1. Can we just read that verse very quickly? John chapter 1, uh, what was the verse? Verse 16. And of his fullness have all, have all we received and grace for grace. Then connect it to verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Christ there is truth. So fullness is truth. Then grace is and the grace for grace. So there are two different things. So the first, and of his fullness have we all received. That's receiving truths. Then, and then grace for grace. So let me start by truths just a little bit. Truth, the Bible says, John 17, 17, sanctify them, O God, by thy word. Thy word is truth. The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, uh, something about the lines that it would wash and sanctify the church mm -hmm. by the washing of water by the word. So when I want to just think about an image and color it in a practical sense, you know when, uh, I mean, for those in Nigeria, we're used to Nepa. When they want to produce electricity, they use River Ninja, River Benway. They dam the waters, and the energy, they, they say, when you dam something, energy is like your soul is a dam. And it should be a dam for waters. And when it has so much energy, it produces current. 
and it's that current that does the work of lighting up the place. Mm. So that current, the electricity produced over time, is grace. Grace is light, light energy that gives, uh, empowers the soul, lights up the soul. So when Numbers chapter 6 was saying, well, um, this is how you shall bless the children of Israel, then may the Lord God cause his face to shine upon thee and be gracious. So grace is light, it's a shining, and light means energy. So it means that when these words turn to grace, it's only then you are able to undo works, unseat dominions, and those dominions are works that are seated inside us. Uh, so I just say when I'm thinking that grace for grace, I'm kind of seeing it from unseating dominions to unseating higher dominions to unseating higher dominions. So it's grace for grace until you unseat the dragon himself. That's just my little little thought. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, you know, anytime I hear the word dominion, I see. Um, Spirits that establish a law in the soul of man. Now, what is a law? A law is something that a man would naturally do without thinking. Praise God. So, <coughs> so we, these um, dominions have um, done, like my pastor James said, they have done a work inside man. And um, the work they've done is that you naturally obey their, their life without thinking about it. So, a man that has been used to obeying their life, for you to disobey that life, you need another strength. So, grace is the strength that gives us capacity to disobey the life they have offered us over time. Now, it's not that we just obey that life. We love the life. We love the life. I can give example of maybe... Um, a, a sister and a brother and you ask and this sister has to break up with that brother mm -hmm. she's in love with the brother it will take a lot yes. to take, take grace yes. to break to to break up that relationship yeah. praise god so the work that dominion have done and this spirit have done in us is a love relationship mm -hmm. that it will take a lot of strength to divorce it yeah. so grace is the energy that God gives a man to resist the pull and the seduction of spirits. And a time will come. It's not that you only disobey them once. You develop capacity to walk away from them and not look at them again. So we are coming to that point where when grace is, it begins to overflow, you will disobey them and not only disobey them, walk far from them and never look back at them again. So, when, so there's grace in Christ's life. And there's grace in everlasting life. They have, Christ is the power eh, to enter into everlasting life. Everlasting life is the power to enter into God. Do you get what I'm saying? So they are both grace. They are both energy level for transference into the different dominions and stratas in God. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. I will hand over to Pastor Bukumi shortly so he can say a few things before Pastor Tope uh, comes up. Um, before that, just to buttress the points that they have made about grace. Um, one thing I think Reverend Daddy said last night, he said, he said grace is the riches of God. Mm. Or he said it's the wealth. Mm -hmm. He said grace is the wealth. So 
when God is God's word, what is what is rich with? You no, know, it's rich with in mercy, but it's also rich with grace. Grace and so and those riches. When you look at New Testament, when you talk about riches, Paul's usage of the word riches has to do with understanding, revelations. So when you see a soul that is loaded with grace, grace is not like anointing, right? It's not like anointing that ah you feel it. So, because you feel it now, you can do this. That's not when you say energy. There's a way to think of it that way. But that's, and that's why a lot have missed grace. When he says, ah, this person has so much grace. We're talking of charisma and all that. And all that. That's not really what grace is. But it's a wrong, it's the enemy who has done that to make us think of that way when we think of grace. But actually, grace is accumulation of understanding that can that when it comes to a moment of acting righteously, can raise an answer yes, against what the natural man will do. It's another, it's another, it's a, it's the installing of a, another system of understanding that can raise a contrary argument against what sin would rather do. Yeah. So, so this grace for grace, talking about one system of understanding that you need for another one. Uh-huh. And Unless you are having increase in riches, like what stops dominion are riches. Dominion, what dominates the will is when you don't have answer to, let's go and do this thing. What marshals the soul? Okay, yeah, we're going to do it. We love it. We love it. We love it. Like love is like, it's like when you are drunk in love with something, you're not thinking. You can't resolve. Like that's the way love operates. And that's the way the dominion operates. There's a wine attached to every dominion, to intoxicate you, douse the thinking. Of course, not just not cerebral thinking, I mean the thinking of the spiritual mind. Mm. So it's the, the wine of dominion. The, uh, kings, like you saw the Babylon, who was serving wine to kings. Those kings are holders of dominion on the earth, who make men dull, mm-hmm. not to do calculation yes. that can give an answer against what they want to do. So grace is accumulation of different understanding based on revelation, 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 revelation. How Paul said that you should hope to the end to the grace that should come to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you see grace, think gaining more understanding. And if you follow, if you pursue that grace well, you will arrive at this grace or grace that they are speaking of. Amen.